Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have a super amazing guest with us. She is a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and actress. She is a YouTube star and an avid advocate for joy, wellness, and mental health. Her new book, Finding Quiet, is in stores everywhere, and she's just an amazing all-around person. Today, we've got Miss Jamie Grace in the house. How are you, Jamie? I'm quite well. Thank you for that very gracious intro. uh, intro. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, it's Jamie Grace, and this book cover is like... (laughs) amazing i love it thank you so much i i i I shot that photo a couple years ago well i guess a year and a half sometime before covid um but yeah i i flew back to i don't live in atlanta anymore but i flew back to atlanta for that one because i was like i i need all my atlanta people on this one so thank you yes there's so many creatives in atlanta and it i'm sure they were glad to have you back so we are recording this in november it's going to come out in december i really want to talk about the book into this interview but i want to point out that you and your sister have a bomb christmas album like that thing is amazing that's literally <laughs> the you. only one i'll turn on other than pentatonics oh so, my gosh i'm obsessed with pentatonics me too it's like how do you uh, do that like i don't magic. understand it, it's magic and it's just an amazing album so i just want to point that out so if you're listening Thank to you. this and you don't like christmas music like me but everybody judges you for not liking Christmas music. <laughs> Just go download that because it's great. Like, thank you so much. That that, I, that album means a lot to us. <laughs> I think my favorite song on there is uh, I think it's the first song, "King Is Born." Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called "Born Tonight." But yeah, "Born the lyric, Tonight." The lyric yeah. is literally "The King Is Born Tonight." Yeah, yeah. That was that's I wrote that one a while ago. I was thank you that I like when yeah. people mention that one. It means it's a lot like, to me. The fight for freedom has begun. Sons and daughters, we must rise. The king is born tonight. And it's like, I just want to hit a praise break every time I yes. hear it. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> listen to this. It's like <laughs> Thank so you so good. much. Yeah. Thank so you. how has COVID life been as a wife and a mother? Yeah. You know, uh, it, as, as far as the specifics of just being home with my crew, um, Obviously, there's a lot of seriousness due to COVID and the pandemic and things like that. But um, I, I will say that I'm also just really grateful to to be home with my family at the same time. Um, you know, just the nature of what I do for a living. We anticipated this being a year where we would just be on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's a, a beautiful life, a crazy, exciting life that we were all, my husband and I were anticipating, you know, hopping into and taking the baby with us. Um, but this season has just been very different than what we anticipated yeah. of just being home. Uh, my husband was he came off of a traditional job so that he could travel with me. Um, and so now he's like back into a traditional job and it's actually been like just really nice that the three of us just get to be home a lot. So um, yeah, it looks a lot different than what we anticipated, which I think most people are experiencing, but we're, we're finding a lot of good in it at the same time. Yeah. And you've been really consistent on putting out new content on YouTube as well as putting out new music. What is it, a song a month you're doing? Yeah, I actually just finished because I started December of last year. Um, So I did 12 months in a row. I did music every month. Um, I think two of them were EPs and then everything else was just uh, one or two songs here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I committed to that before I knew I was going to be stuck at home. And then I was like, well, this just got a little easier because I don't have anywhere to go. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, did you find your daughter's toothbrush yesterday? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. She lost her second toothbrush. We couldn't find it. It took like three days. I finally found both of them. The first one we lost weeks ago. The first one was at my parents' house, which, okay, I think that actually might have been my fault, but we're not going to dig into that. And then the second one I found in the drawer with my makeup, uh, which is her fault. I didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, I can't really say fault. She's one. Um, but yeah, so of course I didn't find them until I'd already bought new ones. Yeah. But kids' toothbrushes are so cheap. Like, they're basically, yeah. like, they're really cheap. So I was like, that's fine. Like, well, I'll just I'll probably be buying her new toothbrushes, like, every week until she's, like... I don't know what age you stop losing your toothbrush. So whenever that age gets here. You could just get like a six pack and keep it in there and just anticipate it. Dude, they don't sell like six packs of kids toothbrushes. Like, I don't know what, or maybe I just need to go to more stores. I don't Amazon? like going, maybe I need to try Amazon because I don't like going to the store and I don't, especially during COVID, like this is a before COVID thing. I just, I don't like leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I can only find like two packs and if they're trying to steal my money. <laughs> so um so i need to sorry i'm so dramatic but yeah <laughs> no i love that so you were diagnosed with tourette syndrome and anxiety and several other mental health issues as a young child um yeah, yeah. how do you feel like this pandemic has affected that you know um in the, in the beginning i mean i i feel like if you've heard you know the stuff that i've just been saying it's a little bit of an optimistic you know out outlook on things um and in the beginning i thought i was being optimistic now i am being optimistic in the beginning i thought i was but i realized that i was just um i was just uh like doing a lot of escapism which is not super healthy either or which is sorry not i mean to say either but which is just not super healthy like uh at first i was just like yeah we're gonna make the most of this like it's gonna be great and there's nothing wrong with being optimistic and finding the good in things but i wasn't stopping to feel a lot of things. I was pushing those feelings down because I just didn't know how to place them, which is totally normal, you know, to not know how to place feelings, especially during something like a global pandemic that most of us have never experienced in our lifetime. Um, But yeah, so initially I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to catch up on sleep. I'm going to be working out like crazy. Like I'm going to be the best mom ever. I'm going to meal plan every day. And I, you know, I was like, I'm going to be doing three live streams a week, which I did schedule that. I did keep it up for a little bit. That was a very poor choice. Um, I was just (laughs) doing... Like I was doing so much because I was, it was like this false sense of optimism that I kind of developed. And I, I think it was, it was rooted in two things. I think one, just not wanting to feel, but then two, just wanting to help people, Mm. which there's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't guard that and manage that, it can be very unhealthy. And so it was bad on my mental health when I finally kind of crashed, if you will. Um, and when like my family was like, okay, well, we want to see you like we can figure out a way to socially distance, you know, we can sit, you know, porches, like we can like sit across to each other, wear a mask, like all this stuff. And like, it wasn't even that I was saying like, no, but it was just that I was like, no, like, no. And then I would like start crying and stuff. And then like, my husband was like, you know, Hey, I think maybe you should try to schedule something with your therapist. And I was like, no. And then I would like start crying I was was like crying about everything is like having these meltdowns and stuff and I eventually started to realize like 
I am afraid of what's going on in the world. I am mm. scared. This is hard. I don't know how this will affect my grandparents. I want to talk to my therapist, but I don't want to talk to her on video. And that makes me feel upset. And that makes yeah. me frustrated. And I want to see my parents, but I don't want to have to wear a mask. And that makes me annoyed because of change and because of things that I don't want. And sure. when I actually started to process those feelings and be honest with those feelings, instead of just pushing them down and then doing a YouTube live stream about what song I was working on, um, I, re I, I mean, I really started to just feel and it, it was just it was, it's hard to feel, you know, you don't always want to cry and, and, and have those, that heaviness, but it was really good for me once I was able to get there and then start working through those feelings. Yeah. It's like when the pandemic started, like we were one of the last tours to get shut down when live nation, like cut everything. And mm, yeah. I was like, are you serious? Like, so I'm not used to staying at home for long periods of time. So I kind of had to relearn yeah. that, but it was, it, I wouldn't say it had a negative effect on my mental health because I was able to be around family more. Um, my brother mm. lives next door and then my best friend and his wife are across the street. It's like my parents are five minutes down the road. So it was actually kind of needed for me like i needed to be around my family i needed that time yeah to good. reconnect with jesus and be alone be find my quiet space right yeah so literally it was, yeah it, it had a negative effects on some people it had positive effects on some people i wouldn't say positive because it's a pandemic but you you get what i'm saying um it's <laughs> yeah. not a positive time but we can be optimistic but I really right. want to talk about the book, Finding Quiet. It, what can the reader expect when they pick up the book? Yeah. You know, um, my mom has this really just awesome routine that that she would always do when we were growing up where she really worked on like literal quiet. Um, you know, my mom and I have very similar personalities and that we love to talk. We love to dream. We just were, she and I are basically the same person. And when I was growing up, she was always so good about like, we'd get in the car and she'd be like, okay, we're going to turn off the radio. Like everybody put their, you know, Game Boy Color, like in the armrest, like no Game Boy Colors for this drive. We are going to roll down the windows and we are just going to you know, enjoy some quiet time. And it wasn't like, uh, like if you thought of something that you wanted to talk about, then talk about it, you know, but it was, it was, uh, just being intentional about like, how can we just start our day off with this quiet time and listen to the wind and listen to the cars driving by and actually see the people that are around us instead of just having our phones buried in our devices or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, so there is some kind of, surface I don't, I don't even want to say surface level but there's just some kind of intro level if you will intentional to talk about quiet time in the book and what mm -hmm. that looks like but it also digs much deeper into the surface when we're not talking about literal quiet and it talks about the noise that we face in an on an everyday basis you know when it comes to friendships and frenemies and you know uh body image and dreams and plan plans that don't work out and things like that Everything that most millennials go through, it talks about learning to find that peace and that quiet in the midst of all those things. But also, uh, shares a little bit of my journey as well of being kind of like known, if you will, as a young yeah. adult. So it's really just my journey and my story of finding quiet through a lot of adversity through my mm -hmm. childhood and, and my 20s. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, this journey can be encouraging to someone else. Yeah. So you, the first big project you did was um, Grace Unplugged, right? So you did the tour first uh, and then Grace Unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Oh gosh. Timeline wise. I'm like, wait, I was like, when was that one? Yeah. That was the first like film I ever did. Grace Unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I was getting ready for this interview, I was like, I'm going to listen to some other interviews to which I like to talk about. And the, I typed in Jamie Grace interview. And the first thing I found was you interviewing yourself. And I was like, come on, this is how you do it. <laughs> and like, you're messing with your lens, like trying to figure out like Jamie Grace net worth. Ooh, I wish I had that money. <laughs> like it was great. <laughs> Such a good video. So uh, thank you. With you talking about your childhood, and growing up, you got uh, Grace Unplugged. You're like 19, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you recently opened up on Twitter and Instagram about some of the experiences you had at some of these churches where you would hear people like, I wouldn't have invited her if I would have known she was black and yeah. like merchandise and all of these ungodly things coming out of quote-unquote godly people people of leadership in churches right right how did that make you feel as a child like you were a young adult but you did get put in the spotlight at a young age and i appreciate you being vulnerable because obviously i grew up white i didn't see that happening to you and i'm sorry that happened to you um Mm. how did that make you feel as a child yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I'll be honest, it, it didn't make me feel because I, I didn't have space to feel. Um, I, that, that very specific situation, it was a, a pastor of a, of a church that I was singing at. And he, you know, he said that if I, if I knew Jamie Grace was black, we wouldn't have brought her here to sing. Um, and I think it was just, he had kind of just signed off on a, approval. Maybe the youth pastor or something wanted to bring me in. Um, and, I mean, within a few hours, I was sitting at a dinner table with with him and his children who were big fans. So I didn't have space to feel. I had to put on a happy face and and thank him for bringing me out. Um, And and that was that's not that's not an isolated event that, you know, that's something that I experienced the some adversity as as being a black woman um, and some not so welcoming spaces and then yeah. also having mental health things that are not always welcome in churches, which that's a whole other conversation that I could get just real mad about. Um, and so there, you know, there, <laughs> there was just a lot of mess that I did face and I, and I didn't have time to feel it. I didn't have space to feel it. Um, that uh, the, the, the choice that I made at the beginning of the pandemic um, is uh, to just kind of not feel is a choice that was kind of ingrained in me uh, in my late teens to early 20s. You know, when there was adversity, I couldn't feel it because my full-time job was to keep everybody happy and to, to write songs and to continue to create and share that would just bring people joy, right? And so that, that's my, that was my job within that space. Um, and to be honest, I mean, it was just, it was years of things like that, that, we're just continuing to pile on top of each other that I wasn't stopping to feel. I wasn't stopping to talk about. And even if I was stopping to talk about them, I, 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 those conversations weren't really welcome or encouraged. And so I didn't really have a safe p- place to land a foundation to land. Um, and it, 
I mean, you know, I, at 24 years old, my life got real quiet and people were like, where's Jamie Grace? And I was like, she's in therapy, uh, multiple times a week, (laughs) you know, trying to figure this out, trying to sort through all of this. But I, you know, I do also want to make sure that I acknowledge that a, a lot of the reason too, as to why I, survived and and I know this is kind of cliche to say but thrived even if you will is because there were also so many healthy experiences too Mm -hmm. you know there was I I don't I don't ever want people to think that I'm saying like oh the music industry is bad or you know Christian church church culture is bad you know it's it's not that it's just that there's some messiness in every industry there's messiness in every culture Mm -hmm. um and we're not always going to be able to change and fix that but we can one ask god to surround us with people that are not uh, feeding the mess. And then also to ask God, okay, well then can you make sure that I'm not one of the people that's feeding the mess either? Um, and, and that's kind of how I survived and then kind of went into my little hiatus, if you will, for about a year and a half, um, right at my mid twenties when I was like, okay, this little girl's going to need some intensive therapy. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I was, 18 going on 19 i started that sounded like a 16 i don't know what the song is but i remember i was 18 going on 19 and i uh got diagnosed with panic disorder and it mm. completely 180 my life i was um interning with a really cool ministry touring the country like doing all these cool things and like I just had a panic attack one day. I was supposed to speak at a shorter university the next day. We were in Birmingham, Alabama at Church of the Highlands promoting for the Together 2016 event. And I had a panic attack and was like, from that moment, I started struggling daily and I dropped all the plans that God had for my life. I went into like this reclusiveness, like refused to admit I had a problem had a mental mm-hmm. breakdown um, and just started working like a nine to five job at AT&T. Got so obsessed with it that I became like the number one sales rep for oh, wow. the Southeast. Like w- there was success on the outside, but it was because I became obsessed with impressing people and mm. buying a house and this and that. And I found all those things and found the success there. But I was messed up. I was mm. not happy. So in 2018, I went through EDMR therapy and was able Mm -hmm. to find that peace that I'd been looking for, was able to find that it was like stress and anxiety was lifted on my, off of my shoulders, but I still struggle with it. And there's nothing wrong with medication. There's nothing wrong with going to see a therapist. You can have Jesus and a therapist at the same time. Don't ever let anybody Mm -hmm. tell you any different because I'm a walking example that it does work. Um, yeah, but without those experiences, my message that I have now would not be here. Like the whole right. message is like, your fear is a liar. You're stronger than your symptoms. You can overcome your anxiety. You can overcome your depression. They're not your identity. You can't be identified by anxiety. You can be identified by your thumbprint, by your voice, by your face. Unless you get too much Botox, then it's just not going to work. But it's like <laughs> you can be identified by those things. But mental health is something that needs to be talked about. And the experiences that you had when you were coming up. And I remember I was at like Winter Jam 20. I talked to Manuel Reyes like two weeks ago. He was on the show. You did a Winter Jam event. It was Skillet, Sanctus Real. I think it was 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I remember seeing you and it was like, 
she's so talented. And then it's like, um, you got vulnerable about having, um, Tourette syndrome. And like, you started advocating at a young age and I don't even think you were aiming to advocate. You were just trying to be vulnerable with people. And I remember seeing you signing, like you had Jamie Gray signature boots and a signature guitar and all these young (laughs) girls were just so like, they were like, I could finally see somebody that I relate to. This isn't mm. someone that's trying to be anyone else. You were authentically you. Nobody pulls off outfits like you do. Nobody can pull <laughs> off the boots like you do. Like you could play the guitar Thank and you. sing like nobody's business. And a lot of these young <laughs> girls, especially young black girls, if you will, mm-hmm. they hadn't seen that before. Like, I know yeah. you love Reba. Mm-hmm. I know you got to sing with Reba. <laughs> Adele pulled you on stage. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. talk about that too. That's funny. That video is hilarious. You like lost it. But <laughs> you had this light about you and this influence that was like, God's got his hand on this girl. And especially when mm. you started to hit the radio, when you signed with Goatee. But even after you left, like listening to your interview with yourself, you were like, reading where is jamie grace is jamie grace still alive it's like you never stopped doing what you did you took that year and a half hiatus however a year right. and a half is what you needed you needed that refreshing right time. right yeah and i mean and in industry you know terms a year and a half is the space between two albums you know and so it's yeah. not even so much you know that 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 much of time off you know it always cracks me up when people <laughs> people still send me dms like hey when are you gonna make music again i'm like listen sheila i'm making music every week over here where have you been um but yeah you know i i i i like i like to stay busy and i when i when i'm intentional about about my foundation the busyness is not a problem you know what i mean yeah like there, there's been there's been a time where there's been seasons and i mentioned two of them before where the, the busyness was coming out of uh kind of a need to do and a need to, to like, okay, I got to fulfill this need. I got to make everybody happy. I got to do, I got to do, you know, yeah. it doesn't mean that God's not going to use that for his glory, but the foundation was just a little bit shaky and kind of based off of, you know, pleasing others. But, um, but now I, I feel like I'm 14 again in so many ways where I feel like I'm that kid that's making YouTube videos, which I like that feeling, you know, I, there's a, um, a walk in closet, right behind that Mm -hmm. thing that uh that i record in and in there it's like a there's pictures from the show zoom uh there's a zoe girl poster it it looks i have like blankets instead of um like wall padding for soundproofing and i intentionally made my vocal booth look like it did what like it would have looked if i was 14 um because i created without expectation of success i created without trying to please other people yeah. you know i created to serve other people and sure. that is that's a that's a biblical place instead of creating to please which can be very selfish yeah. um and so um so yeah so that i mean that's been a lot of my therapy as far as mental health goes and yes i am still very pro my actual therapist and you know intentional family time and things like that but that's been a part of my own therapy is just making sure that my foundation is in the right place so that my actions are not out of frustration, um, but that they really are out of my own purpose. Did you see a difference in therapy when you had to go from in-person to going online? Um, I did. And I did, I didn't love it. Um, I, I still don't prefer it, but I, I make a choice to go because I know that it's helpful. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, 
uh, this sounds so um, weird. I don't know. Oh, I don't think it sounds weird, but it might sound weird to somebody else. But I mean, I, I like to I like to know everything and see everything before I can move forward in a conversation. Sure. Um, and so when I would walk into my therapist's office, like I like knowing what no like seeing shoes is like a big deal. I don't care what kind of shoes you're wearing. It's just I now can see the whole picture. Like my therapist, she like because I have a, a new therapist now that I, I had the same one for a year and then we moved out of state, so I had to switch. And so I've never been to this one's office. And I don't know what books are on the bottom of her bookshelf because of where the camera cuts off. And that bothers me. And I know that it's an OCD thing. I know it's an anxiety thing. And so I'm fine. Like I know I'm going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a little irritating for me personally to have to switch to online, but I know that it's healthy in the long run. So I, I made the choice to just kind of continue to go and also ask my husband's accountability to yeah. reschedule every, every week to still schedule the next week. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I didn't open up with this. My bottom bookshelf has the Chronicles of Narnia series and Lacey <laughs> yes. Sturm's trilogy. Thank you. So yes. yes. And the circle See? maker. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> so that's good thank you for telling me <laughs> here let me tell you what the middle one says <laughs> right now i actually really want to know i'm like i love books <laughs> Look, um craig grishel all of them are craig grishel on that it's just all of oh, them i don't even know who that is life church no nope. never you version his church That's made you version. That I have. Yeah, his church I made it. I probably could have known that then. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you write about how your music career affected your relationships with others and subsequently triggered your anxieties and other symptoms. How did you learn to navigate this? Yeah, I mean, I just was dealing with, you know, I think most people in their 20s at some point you realize all that awkward friend stuff that showed up in middle and high school. It's oftentimes still there in your 20s of like oh like i didn't get invited to that birthday party or oh i'm not a bridesmaid in that wedding like oh should i have invited that person like all this stuff and so i just i dealt with a lot of that stuff of being known and then trying to make friends and trying to date and having people's opinions about my friends that would come on tour or if i was going on a date while we were on tour people would be like oh like why are you going on a date? Aren't you supposed to be all like confident and single? And then like, if they wouldn't see me go on a date for a few months, it's like, Oh, why aren't you going on dates? Don't you want to get married? You know, it was just the opinions of my peers, my coworkers and strangers about every one of my friends. Um, and not always negative from my friend's point of view, because sometimes it would be, oh, is this person really my friend because they want to be my friend? Or do they just want, you know, to meet Michael W. Smith and they heard that I'm going on tour with him? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it was that, but then also sometimes it was the element of like, you know, I mean, not all, my, not all of my friends are just like me. Like, yes, my closest friends are very much like me because we kind of do that on purpose. But I mean, I have friends that are not, Christians and I strongly identify as a follower of Christ. You know, I have friends that use certain language on their Instagram or maybe, you know, don't dress in a way that some of my other Christian peers might call modest. And so it was even going down to that of just like wanting to invite someone to hang out backstage and then having to be worried of like okay i have two options i can either say to this friend like hey uh all my uh all the people i tour with are judgmental christians so you're gonna need to tone that down or i could say to the people that i'm touring with like hey 
oh, uh, my friend that I'm bringing is a bad person. So, you know, it's like who, like both, of, all of that is messy. All of that is messy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it really did affect a lot. And, and a lot of times there's, you know, with anxiety, you oftentimes just want answers to the things where there are no right answers of, yeah. you know, how, how do you operate in friendships and dating relationships and what's wrong and what's right? How do you talk to people and all this? And so it was definitely really challenging, but one of the main things was just like keeping accountability with the people that have been around since before. And Mm. then also just praying for discernment when it came to even making new friends, which is still hard, but when it happens, it's so worth it. Um, And then just honesty as well. Just being able to say to people that are friends, new friends or not, just being able to say like, Hey, was that weird when I said that? Or is there anything that you need in this friendship? And you know, like making that normal honesty needs to be normalized a little bit because it can really help navigate through a lot of things that are really challenging the process. Yeah. My favorite thing to get is like, Hey, Jeremy camp's coming to town. Can you get me tickets? I'm like, yeah, here's a ticket master link. (laughs) Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't understand what the logic is there, but that's all. Like you said, it's a whole different story. But I pulled a quote from your book that I'd like you to elaborate on because I just found it to be so powerful and I personally just love it so much. With a career that is deemed successful only when it is at its loudest, I have found it increasingly difficult to find quiet. But when I do, it's worth the effort and I know it will be for you too. Um. Yeah, definitely. You know, um. I I definitely have noticed that success in my industry in particular is deemed by how loud it is. And it's, you know, deemed by like, okay, well, is is the show going to be sold out? And are people going to be chanting your name for an encore? Or are you just going to like go back out there and act like they invited you? You know, um, you know, and if the show is not sold out, then we need to add, we need to cancel the show because we're not playing with only half of the crowd full or, you know, like, Oh, it was so sold out that we had to have a show like outside, or it was so crazy that we had to add on a second tour or how big is your song? Like we don't want something with just a vocal and a guitar. We want a full band and we want the best band. And we want it to be number one on radio. And it can't just be number one on radio. It has to be number one across genres. And it has to be number one on 14 different trips. And we have to do a remix and it better have the best bass. Why would you do a concert with less subwoofers? Like what's wrong with you guys? Like it is based on like literal loudness, but then also I've noticed in literally every industry, and in most cultures, at least within American culture and like Christian culture, family culture, whatever you want to call it, like at least the, I've noticed as well, like not even specifically loudness, but it's just deemed by volume um, and the amount of things. And like, you know, I like to use the analogy of like, if it's a bunch of women sitting around in a circle and somebody's like, oh yeah, my husband works in construction. It's like, oh, okay. But then somebody else is like, oh, well, my husband's a lawyer. It's like, oh okay, you know, it's just even the volume of like, well, you do more, so you must make more money. And, oh, well, you drive a Tesla. I also drive a Tesla. Is yours leased or did you buy a cash? Because that's a different thing. It's like, oh, well, I bought a house. Oh, did you buy a house or you did a doubt payment and now you're paying monthly? That's not really a house. You're stuck in the American cycle, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, it's this constant, like you must have more, but you can't just have more. You actually have to have the most. And mm. um, that's not just in the music industry. It's 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 everywhere of, of comparing success to volume and 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 loudness and the noise level and i've just noticed that stepping into the quiet springs so much more peace and so much rest and 
just taking myself away from comparison. I mean, there's a whole chapter in the book on comparison and taking myself away from comparison and the standards of others and what other people expect and anticipate and just taking a minute to breathe Mm. Um, and just taking a minute to say, but I may not, you know, like I might have a 15 year old car, but do I like it? Does it get me to where I need to be? Well, yeah, then that's all that matters, you know? Um, And, you know, like, Earlier, earlier this year, my husband and I, um, we had moved into um, we had moved into a new a new place, and we we started planning to do because you know we have a YouTube channel, and I also have my YouTube channel, and we started planning to do like a house tour, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, well, we got to buy this, we got to buy that because we have to make sure that it looks ready. And after a few weeks, we just realized like we don't even want to do a house tour, like we don't even want people up in our house. Like we didn't even know what kind of furniture we wanted. We were just rushing to buy things, rushing to make things happen just so that we could reach the standard of what Christian families with internet access are supposed to do, which is show off your house on the internet. I don't want my house on the internet. That's my business. I don't want nobody know. I don't want nobody guessing what I pay for what. If you want to put your house on the address or on the internet, congratulations. But this y'all don't need to know what kind of what kind of what kind of socks we wear. Like like no. And like, yeah, of course there's some things that I do with my life that some people might be like, I don't want people to know that. And that's fine. Do you boo. But it just, it, it stepping into the quiet of like Aaron and I really, I remember we were sitting, we were sitting in the living room one day and I was like, do you want to do a house tour video? He was like, nah, bro, I want to go to sleep. I was like, me too. Like that sounds so much better than then what we were about to go do is just like try to go buy a bunch of furniture to prove mm-hmm. to people that like, this is the life we live. It just, we didn't want to do it. We never even told people we weren't going to do it. We were like, they'll figure it out when they, when that video just doesn't get uploaded. Cause that's just not. And again, if people do that, that's fine, but that's just not who we want it to be. Yeah. And stepping into the quiet really folk really causes you to focus on what you're actually listening to. And a lot of times we realize the voices that we're listening to are the voices and opinions of everybody else instead of what God says about us and what we want for ourselves. And when we do that, life is so much easier. Yeah. And I found it so impressive with you being so young, like when you first started that you were able to get your own home and then like everything with that, you never posted pictures. Like you were in the Instagram age, you Mm -hmm. had access to it. (laughs) Like even your parents, like, but you saw no value in that. And the funny thing is like you Mm -hmm. found your success and like even your sister has found success in her own way now. Like she Mm -hmm. uploads art. And when I worked at AT&T, I kid you not, there were probably like on average, I'd probably touch like a few thousand phones a year, like probably a good 50% of them had your sister's backgrounds on them. Oh, that's amazing. I would see MHN and I'd be like, huh, because coffee camper up the road, your sister had a booth Mm -hmm. at, Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Crystal Padilla, amazing coffee shop in Monroe, Georgia, go check it out. Um, (laughs) but your sister had art there when y'all lived here. And it was just like, went from that to this global, platform i forgot who where i first saw it was either forbes or like buzzfeed or something like that posted the article and it it just blew up and all that to say like god's obviously blessed you and your family with artistic Mm -hmm. gifts and amazing Mm -hmm. voices and just you steward that so well but you don't go out of your way to show that off 
Like you just do mm-hmm. what God tells you to do. You don't mm-hmm. try to show anything other than who you are. You never tried to um, dress like all the other girls were dressing. You showed up in your boots and you played a good show. You sang Always. your songs. <laughs> like it's just even now, yeah. like you're not, you don't fit a mold. You're Jamie Grace. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, man. I feel like a lot of it is just, and thank you for saying that truly. Um, I mean, cause you know, we were talking before, like you, I've met you a- ages ago and I think it's, it's the fact of like everything that you can do, you don't have to do. Right. And I think that that is something that is, is beautiful to embrace, you know, and my sister and I, we talk about it a lot. Like, even though I don't do like house tour YouTube videos and stuff like that, I do share a significant amount of photos of my kid. Whereas my sister, I think I've probably shared more photos of her kid than she shared photos of her own kid, you know? And so a lot of it is just like, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should, you know, it's like a lot of people might think that like, Oh, Jamie probably, you know, stayed out of the information of the election and things like that this year. Cause I didn't post one thing about the election before or after I was like, I'm going to stay out of it. But if if I talk to you on the phone, oh, you go, oh, I'm going to tell you everything. I have many, many things to say, but it's just not my calling to post it online. And yeah. it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong for people that do post their thoughts online, because that if that's what God's calling you to do, that's what he's calling you to do. But I think when we, you know, when we realize that God, like it's a calling, God calls each of us to to be examples of who he is in many different ways and i think when we can embrace that embrace the parts of us that make us different and that he is calling us to be specifically then you know we release ourselves from the pressure of okay well everybody else is doing this so i gotta do this was like no you you don't have to you just got to do the stuff that god is calling you to do um and 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 then nothing else from there (laughs) Mm. that'll keep you busy enough (laughs) exactly so you're an advocate for joy. How would you encourage others to find joy in the midst of the hard things? Um, you know, I think honesty is is underrated. I think if we could just be quite honest with the things that don't bring us joy, the things that are painful and difficult and the adversity in our lives and find a safe place to place that honesty you know for me that's therapy and my family my husband uh, my music it might be a journal for some people it might be art it might be you know a trusted co-worker a pastor how whatever those honest feelings that you're having that you know about the pandemic about you know your family your job your finances whatever it's those honest feelings find a place to place them um and then find the joy there um, I, I know it, it might sound so cliche and, and so like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? But, but a, a lot of times we're looking for perfection or we're looking for simplicity so that we can then find joy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and one of my, one of, one of my biggest pet peeves, uh, when my husband and I got married, uh, was when people would always say to us, like, when are you going to start a family? Um, and we, we, you know, we had our daughter, I think I, was pregnant five or six months into marriage. So it was pretty soon on purpose. Um, but th- those few months before, I'm, I'm kind of glad because I'm, I'm glad that people had to stop asking us that question. But people always say, when are you going to start a family? And I would look at them. I'm like, I'm a God-fearing woman. He's a God-fearing man. We are a family. 
Like this is like this, this is our family. Like it's not about, oh, a child now is going to make it into a family. No, a child just makes us parents, but we're, we're already a family. And so taking that same concept in the concept, context of joy, you don't have to wait for the new day, for the new dawn. Joy is here right now in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the adversity, in the midst of the frustration, the fear. Joy is here right now, you know, and, and, and it, it might be something, you know, to the extent of, you know, I, I mean, just being transparent, I lost my job this year. I can't go on tour. So it's mm. like, I lost my job. Is there joy in that? Oh, you know what? I reignited the fire that I've had since I was a kid of being a YouTuber. Now wow. I've got more time to focus on that. And it, it doesn't, it, again, it doesn't eradicate the fact that like, we probably gonna have to look at the bank account for at least five minutes and figure something out. Yeah. But it, it, but it, but it does say that, well, maybe there's joy even in the middle of this pain, even in the midst of this confusion. And maybe there's something, you know, still worth celebrating. Mm, I love so. that so much. And the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was the video you posted yesterday about Isabella Brave on Instagram, where you're like A, B, C, D. And she was just like B, D. Then you said C, D, E. She said cat. And I was like, bro, that's me. That is me when somebody asks me my multiplication table. It's just like cat <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> i thought that was she the funniest is, thing oh, she is so hilarious i i i i i'm telling you funny you, too she is, got it from you thank you i appreciate that i i really think she's either going to be um something with with social issues um or an entertainer or both i feel like she might do you both because she's Right. She's really, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be awkward. She's really passionate about politics. Uh, her choice. She just started watching stuff while we were watching it. She has her favorites. Um, and she really, really likes to make people laugh. So I'm yeah. like, okay, one and a half year old that already knows the name of your favorite politicians. But you know what? Whatever. Just <laughs> do you, boo. Just do yeah. you. <laughs> I love that so much. Jamie, where can people find you on social media? Yes. So I, I love Instagram the most uh, at Jamie Grace H. You can find me on, on Insta there, but I'm also on YouTube and I have a podcast. So just type in Jamie Grace. I've got weekly episodes. So easiest place to find me. I love that so much. You guys can find fi Finding Quiet wherever books are sold, but obviously the easiest way to get it would be on Amazon, which we're going to put the link in the description below. Nice. And Jamie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to record this. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Trevor Talks Podcast. It's such a privilege for me to be able to talk to you guys and share these amazing stories from all these cool people with you all. But I just want you to know that I love you. I personally just want to thank you for tuning in time and time again. It's so amazing to have your support and just to be able to do this. But I want to encourage you to go to fearisaliar.co. Again, that's fearisaliar.co and check out our amazing Christmas specials and even just finding encouragement for your mental health. You're stronger than your symptoms. You're not identified by your anxiety, your depression. You're stronger than whatever you're facing today. And just know that. And if you need extra support, our friends at deathtolife.com want to talk to you. And again, I love you guys so much. I'm thankful for your support. And we'll talk to you guys next week. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter and...
two men leave because that's how it works. <laughs> Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.